What's up, everybody? Michael Nettemeyer here, and I'm your host of the Witwin Podcast, whatever it takes, whenever it's needed. This episode is a little bit different. It's actually recorded from a training I did earlier today uh, for some people in our brokerage. So it's going over Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant, talking about wealth building, talking about moving from employee and self-employed into business owner, into investor, how to invest in real estate, how to reduce your tax liabilities, a whole bunch of stuff. I hope you enjoy it. One thing too, if you're getting value from our podcast, one way that you can help us and we'd greatly appreciate it is like, subscribe, comment, share with friends, anything you can do to help us get the word out. If you're getting value from this, we would greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. All right. Good morning, everybody. We're live now. So today, Friday, we're talking about money and a couple of things, a couple of things about money. Here's the reason why 76% of people live paycheck to paycheck. It's because people don't know how to either get money, they don't know how to keep money, they don't know how to multiply money. So we're going to talk about all of that throughout the next few weeks and talking about, as a real estate agent, you have the great opportunity to make a lot of money, a lot, right? You can make more money than a doctor. I always talk about it. It's the only, only role I know, go to school for a week, put it on a credit card, pass it to C minus or better, have the potential to make more money than a doctor. Why don't all people do that, though, when they get into real estate? Well, there's a lot of things. It's consistency. It's habits. It's knowing what to do. It's frequency. It's contacts. It's all of that. But today, what I want to talk about is something that I didn't come up with it. Robert Kiyosaki did. He calls it his cash flow quadrant. So I'm going to share my screen and take a look at, let's see if you can see my screen now, hopefully. Okay. So. Wait a minute. Let me double check that real quick. There we go. Okay. So, cash flow quadrant. What Robert Kiyosaki says, if you don't know Robert Kiyosaki, he's written a lot of great books. He's a good financial guy. He's a good real estate guy more than anything. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I read that book in my early 20s. Changed my thinking changed my philosophy on money, changed my philosophy on success, changed my philosophy on going out and getting things that I wanted. And really just, it, it took away my limited mindset that I had and started becoming a person that if I want to go make something happen, I can do it. But what he talks about here is a cash flow quadrant. And so you see here we have ESBI. All of us fall into one or multiple of these buckets. And let's start with the first one, employee. You have a job. As an employee, you have a job. And when I ask people, I say, what's the challenge? What's the greatest challenge with being an employee? I typically get this, well, you're working for the man. You're making somebody else rich. You're, you know, all this stuff that's just not true. Here's the thing. Most small businesses, over 80% of small businesses and self-employed entrepreneurs break even or lose money, meaning an employee is making a significantly more amount of money than 80% of the entrepreneurs out there, the self-employed people. Also, as an employee, you have the potential, if you're with the right organization, you're with the right people, you have the potential to make a lot of money. So think about Steve Ballmer. Steve Ballmer was an employee of Microsoft. He has a net worth of about $50 billion from working at Microsoft. Who would be okay with having a net worth of $50 billion if they were an employee? Most people, right? One of the wealthiest people in the world. He was an employee. So the challenge with being an employee is not that you're working for somebody else or you're building something for somebody else. It's that you pay the highest income tax. As a W-2 employee, 
If you're in the top tax bracket for federal, you're going to give away 37% of your income Then state, another whatever state you live in, it depends, but you're going to give away the most amount of income and you get the least amount of deductions because you're a W-2. There's just, as a W-2 employee, basically what's happening is the government takes their money first in the form of taxes. Every two weeks when you get paid, government takes their money first, they give you what's left over. So that's the greatest challenge, in my opinion, with being an employee, is that you're going to pay the highest amount of taxes with the least amount of deductions and tax benefit. So if we go down, go down from there and we go to S, we're self-employed. As a real estate agent, you're self-employed. Now, instead of having a job, you now own a job. What's the difference? One, you're getting paid to show up. The other one, you don't have to show up, but if you don't show up, you're not getting paid, right? So you now own a job as a self-employed person. So everyone's like, hey, I've got my own business, right? How exciting, this and that. Here's the downside. As a self-employed person, you could potentially pay even more in taxes because now on top of your W-2 tax that, that employees are paying, you're also paying self-employment tax. So tack on another 10%, just say ballpark, in self-employment tax. So now if you're in the top tax bracket, you're giving away the maximum amount of money between state and federal if you're in a state that has income tax, and you're going to tack on 10% more for self-employment tax. So that's not good. So now all of a sudden, potentially, we're giving more away. Now, as a real estate agent, there's ways around not being able to do that legally through the tax laws, and you get a lot of write-offs. You get mileage deductions. You get you get meals. You get all kinds of different deductions. You invest in your business, marketing, advertising, stuff like that, client events, right? So you get more deductions. But potentially, if you're not doing it right, you could be paying the maximum amount of income tax as well if you're in the top tax bracket. So what do we do? Here's the thing. Tax laws. All right. There's over 5,000 pages of tax law. A few hundred of them are on how to legally pay taxes. The other thousands of pages are on how, legal, how to legally not pay taxes. Legally. You heard about Amazon. Billions of dollars in income. They don't pay any income. Donald Trump doesn't pay any income. They're using the tax laws legally to their benefit and doing what the government wants them to do with their money in order to avoid paying income tax. So here's our options. We can either go to the right side and become a business owner. Now, as a business owner, you own a system and people work for it. So that means that now if I've got a functioning business, I can step away from my business. I can be gone for a month, two months, six months, a year. And can that business continue to operate without me and make money? See, this is the trap between a lot of small businesses. They're basically an employee of their company and they never scale their business to, to own a system, a system that's scalable, that functions without them. That's like a wheel. It just turns and turns and turns and turns regardless if they're there or not. Most people with the self-employed mentality, they have to be there, right? They're, they're, they're their own employee. They're their own admin. They're their own bookkeeper. They're all this stuff. And that's why they never get ahead. And that's why most 80 over 80% of small businesses break even or lose money. So I can either go build a business and build a system, take on office space, take on payroll, take on rent, take on, you know, copy machine leases, take on all of this expense. And because I'm doing that, I get a 21% corporate tax rate. So I get a lower tax rate. The government incentivizes people for two things, to create jobs or provide affordable housing. So I can go build a business and take on all this expense, which I do personally. I have a business, a lot of expense, right? Not everybody wants to do that though. 
But because I take that risk and I put that cash out every single month, I'm putting that cash out with no guarantee of a return, I'm getting a, be a benefit of a corporate tax break of around 21%. Not everyone wants to go take on employees and staff and business and build a big, massive business in an organization, and that's fine. So we have to look at the I. Now, as an investor, everyone is capable of being a real estate investor. Now, with the I, money is working for you. And here's the biggest benefit to investing in real estate. You can literally obliterate your income tax if you do it right. So you have the potential now to pay zero income tax by owning real estate if you're doing it correctly and buying enough of it. So think about it. Employee, we have the potential between state and federal to be at, say, 50% income tax. Self-employed, we have the potential to be at 60% income tax because of the self-employment tax. As a business owner, I get a 21% corporate tax rate and I take on a lot of, I'm exposed, right? A lot of exposure, a lot of, a lot of outlay, cash outlay, a lot of risk, taking on a lot of risk to do that because I'm taking on salary, staff, all of that expense. As a real estate investor, I'm taking my money and putting it to work for me. And now I get the benefit too of getting massive tax breaks. There are things called tax, um, excuse me, cost segregation. Cost segregation study, I buy a property, and what's going to happen with a normal accountant is they're going to say, depreciate your property over 27 and a half years. 80% building contents, 20% land. So land doesn't depreciate. So you already lose 20% of that deduction because land does not depreciate in the eyes of the government or the IRS. But now your building contents, they're going to depreciate it over 27 and a half years. What a cost segregation study does is it is basically you have now cost money. You get an accountant and an engineer, they come into the property and they put a study together and they say, okay, this property is not going to last 27 and a half years. The contents of the property, the flooring, the roof, the HVAC, the windows, the cabinets, all of the stuff inside of the, the building, the sidewalks, that's not going to last 27 and a half years. So what they do is they put a cost segregation study together. They rapidly depreciate the property in year one and you get what's called bonus depreciation. So... By buying a property every single year, now it depends on the property you buy and the price and everything like that, but you could by owning, buying real estate every single year and holding it. Once you do cost segregation studies, don't sell the property. Don't, don't flip it, don't sell it, don't make quick cash, hold these things forever. And by doing that, you could potentially knock out all of your income tax every single year for the rest of your life. So that's stuff to look into. What I would talk to your accountants about before you buying property is talk to them about cost segregation studies, See if they're knowledgeable enough to speed on it. Because here's the thing. A lot of accountants are like real estate agents. There's tons of them out there. And there's a percentage that are very good at their job and a professional at it. And then there's a lot that are practitioners that don't sell a whole lot. So you want to make sure you're linked with an accountant that is giving you the best advice that's up to speed on real estate. If your goal is to be a real estate investor, you need to get an accountant that's very savvy in real estate investing. Don't just get somebody that does you know, basic books. Because we have complex tax returns as well, being self-employed as real estate agents, right? For all the real estate agents out there, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of deductions you can get. So you need somebody savvy in the real estate space. So make sure you link up with a good CPA. There's a lot of tax benefits out there. I would, I would recommend a book called Tax-Free Wealth by Tom Wheelwright. He's got some good stuff. Uh, he's linked in with Robert Kiyosaki's WealthAbility. And that's a good place to start, to start thinking about. Because if you think about it, taxes are our greatest expense. Once you start making income and start hitting a good income, that's going to be your biggest expense. And if you can legally offset all of that and reduce your tax liabilities to as close to zero as possible, well, now you've got more capital to invest in your company. You've got more capital to invest in more real estate. 
you're building, here's the benefit too. You're not just buying real estate for a tax benefit, you're buying it to generate passive income. But most people look at it the opposite. They look at buying real estate for the passive income and the cash flow, but really we need to be looking at it from a standpoint of what's my tax benefit as well. Maybe my cap rate isn't as high as I want on this property, but on the back end, where am I going to get my tax benefit from? Am I going to get a bigger tax break by buying this property? So even though I'm not cash flowing as much as maybe I would like, how much am I saving and offsetting the income tax by buying this property? So it's just a different way of thinking about it. And this is really how you can start to generate wealth. Now, what I'll tell you is when you start moving into the investor realm to buy real estate, what you don't want to do is abandon your income on the left side, because that's a common mistake. People talk about passive or multiple flows of income, never abandon a flow. If you've got on the left side, you're an employee, you're self-employed, and you've got good income coming in, keep that going. Don't take, don't move to the right side and just waste all, spend all your time on it and then abandon all the money. So now all of a sudden, if you had 10 grand coming in a month from the left side of the quadrant, and then you move into being an investor and you abandon that left side, and now you've got zero coming in, right? Now you just, you're just trading dollars. So now you need to get to the right side. You need to get to 10 grand a month just to be back to even. Keep that going and figure out a way to leverage your time, leverage your money. It says here as an investor, money works for you. You don't want to be an investor and have a job. You don't want to be an investor and own a job. What you want is to take your money you're making from the left side and put it to work for you. So you're generating passive income. Just something to think about. If you have questions, drop them in the comments. I'll answer them. And I'll see you guys next time.